Hi, this is the Through My Eyes podcast where I interview Japanese and Japanese American students here in Pittsburgh and the States. Today, I'm joined by Andrew to share her experiences living cross culturally between Japan and the States. Right, hello. <laughs> Do you want to start off with like introducing yourself, where you mm-hmm. grew up, blah, blah? Yeah. Yeah, so I, so my parents are both Japanese, but I was born and I grew up in New York, the suburbs of New York. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I speak Japanese at home because my parents wanted me to, you know, be able to speak (laughs) to my relatives because they're all in Japan. Mm -hmm. So I do speak Japanese in, uh, at my home, but I grew up and I went to like a, just a regular public, you know, school throughout, like, you know, from elementary school to high school. And then I came to CMU. So I've never really you know, lived in Japan too much, or mm-hmm. I went to school, uh, but I went to Japanese weekend school in New York uh, for almost 10, 10, more than 10 years or something like that. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and I also grew up in a place in the suburbs, suburbs of New York where there's a lot of Japanese people, um, mm-hmm. especially where, you know, um, the, my friends, like parents or like their fathers would be you know sent over to the u.s branch for a couple of years and then they would go back to japan so Mm. there were a lot of those kids in my school also as well as in my japanese weekend school and things like that so i did have a lot of you know opportunities to you know hang around and talk to a lot of japanese kids who came over from japan or they were just you know regular japanese americans but Mm. yeah i did have that chance so i feel like uh, that helped me keep, you know, my Japanese fluency in a sense, because I am uh, fluent in Japanese, even though, like, I've never really lived there. <laughs> so that's how I grew up. And then at CMU, I did get involved in the Japanese Student Association mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years. But, and I'm uh, also been a speaking assistant, like a TA for the Japanese courses for, I think, for the past three years. Oh, wow. So <laughs> yeah. Are you a junior, a senior? I'm a senior. Oh, you're a senior. Me too. <laughs> oh my God. I totally, I, it's like so strange how like I'm a senior, but there's so many people that I still haven't met <laughs> and it doesn't help with like Zoom either, but that's really, really cool to hear your backstory and like you grew up in New York, but also like there's actually a, a Japanese community a population there and you were um, luckily able to really be in touch with your Japanese side, even though growing up primarily in the United States. So like, how was, how was your experience like living that cross-cultural lifestyle, you know, going to an American public school, but also having to go to, you know, Japanese school on the weekends and, you know, still having to interact with your Japanese folks? Yeah, I think a lot of, so a lot of the Japanese people that I do me I think I've realized now it's kind of biased because it's kind of skewed in the sense that these are people who their parents like work in a big company and they get sent Mm. over to like a foreign branch so like in hindsight they're like pretty wealthy or they're well educated Mm. you know they're kind of Mm -hmm. upper middle upper class um especially since uh, the other reason why there's a lot of Japanese people around my area is because there's Keio, uh, New York, which is like a high school associated with a really, really prestigious Japanese uh, private college. Oh, it's like it's kind of like a back end door into that college because if you <laughs> go to Keio, New York High School, you automatically get accepted into Keio University. Really? Instead of having to go through like the whole universal like exams. That's crazy. Wait, so is that kind of like a loophole that they go into? <laughs> yeah, because their tuition is really, really expensive. 
Oh um, so it's like a lot of, um, I hear a lot of like uh, Japanese kids who their parents are like CEOs of companies go there. Mm. Because then you automatically get accepted into the university without having to, you know, test, you know, having to study for like Wow. The, oh my God, yeah. really? Do they also admit like non-Japanese people too? Or is this strictly... Mm, they do admit them but mm, there's really no incentive to go because yeah. the only perk is that you get to go into this Japanese university so if you're not Japanese mm. like if you don't need to go to a Japanese university then yeah. why would you do that so you know and then like I, I would assume that primarily the students that do go to that university their plans is to go back to Japan and like what work at their parents companies or <laughs> yeah or just you know yeah something along those lines but yeah, so, you know, I feel like a lot of the Japanese people that I did communicate with mm -hmm. or get in touch with were really wealthy, you know, so, <laughs> so it, it might not be the more more typical Japanese people that yeah. I do, but in that sense, I feel like they're really academically oriented, you know, because really? they were really ambitious and things like that, um, but... And since they were really, you know, academically intense because their parents had really high expectations for them, um, I feel like, you know, my Japanese were obviously as, in, as, you know, not as good as them because, you know, they were planning to go back and, you know, everything. Right, right. So I did learn a lot of, you know, Japanese culture from them and like a lot of, you know, these advanced Japanese, you know, communication things from them because, mm. you know, they were really sophisticated in that sense but I did feel like really different because I didn't have that same ambition or I didn't have that same like mentality where they're like oh I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna you know be successful yeah. and everything but yeah it was really different for me. I know I'm sure like not not only is it like different it's not like a matter of you you racially feel different um like it's it's also like a class issue where it's like yeah. man I I I like hanging out with these people, but like at the same time, I still don't really feel like part of them. So that's like really interesting, like a really interesting dichotomy that you had to like go through. Yeah. Um, but also, first of all, I find it so funny that I think like my stereotype or my preconception of like wealthy kids is that they're not academically inclined. And like the fact that they didn't have to take the SATs to go to this university, but they're still like very active academically inclined. Do you think it's because it's like their parents are very like strict over them and they still need to show good grades in order to uh, get their jobs out of college or <laughs> or is it just yeah. part of the Japanese culture? I think it is definitely part of the culture, but also because their parents are so successful, they do have high expectations. Mm. I guess mm -hmm. the flip side is that even though they're in the United States, they never really try hard to learn American culture or like English at all because they know they're going to go back. So they did like put a hard emphasis on like going back and like being able to assimilate after they get back. So they mm -hmm. never, even though they were academically oriented, they really never, you know, bother to like learn American culture, English or, you know, mm -hmm. or subjects that they think they didn't, they didn't matter to their like career path or something like that, which mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. I guess... Yeah. Part of it is because if you go, you know, I think Asian universities, you get into university, you know your major from the beginning, right? And you really mm -hmm. can't change your major. I think that also has to matter because, you know, in the U.S., you can cho choose your major while you're in college, but you can't. So I think people are more, like, dedicated towards, like, one path and they already know, mm -hmm. you know what they're going to pursue in that sense. Right. And also, like, I feel like 
I mean, my observations can be completely off, but I feel like Japan and Japanese people tend to like to stick to their culture and they uh, they're not they're not the most known to want to assimilate to other cu- cultures and other countries, um, especially for native Japanese in Japan, you know, um, they're still like in the process of like becoming less homogenous. So it's like interesting that, you know, your your wealthy Japanese friends, they came to America, but like they still didn't really put much effort to still learn uh, about American culture and like English. Uh, But I think that it was so fascinating to hear that for you, you benefited from this or you were able to um, like hang out with them and they showed you like Japanese culture from a different lens. Can you go more in depth with that? Like what did you guys do? And like, (laughs) how was that like? Yeah, because the Japanese weekend school that I went to, so they mm-hmm. had like a lot of, you know, cultural events, you know, scheduled because uh, according to holidays or something like mm-hmm. that, um, they, it was, the grading system was pretty lax because they, you know, they knew like they had a mix of like people who weren't really too fluent in Japanese, but also uh-huh. like people were really like fluent. So that wasn't really a problem, but I did have a little bit of trouble, you know, keeping up sometimes because, you know, I would have, still have to do work for, you know, my regular American high school oh or whatever. Oh my god, you had to do dual. <laughs> That's crazy. So I think they did help me academically in that sense when I went to Japanese Mm -hmm. weekend school and also you know they taught me when they had these events they would tell me like the backstory you know how these Mm -hmm. holidays came to be and what they would usually do at home Mm -hmm. um because maybe I wouldn't you know be able to get like the full experience uh in my household because even if my parents do celebrate like you know maybe Japanese uh New Year's in like a Japanese sense we wouldn't Mm -hmm. go to like a shrine or anything because you know there's nothing no shrines close by or something so right. i did get to hear about uh from their experiences which i think did help a lot uh-huh. right did you have like grades and like it was what did you learn in that japanese school was it primarily to learn the language or it was part it was they tried to mimic like school in japan oh so my God. we did japanese we did some math uh and some like history social studies and things like that uh-huh so you did that up until college I did that from kindergarten to high school, yeah. <gasps> wow, really? How did you even do that? Like, I, I'm thinking of me in high school and, like, barely <laughs> able to finish school. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, my God. But, but in the long run, it benefited you because you're so much more in touch with your Japanese side. So like given your experience, you know, meeting those wealthy kids um, and still being able to learn more about the culture, not being in Japan, would you ever consider like moving to Japan or settling there or working there even? So I, I have I have visited my relatives in Japan. So like I've been to mm-hmm. Japan like over the summer, like for vacation, like pretty frequently when I was young too. Mm-hmm. So I did get to kind of like, you know, keep in touch with my relatives who are like regular Japanese people. But mm-hmm. I personally like do not want to live in Japan ever. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> um, I guess part of it is because I... Like, I know I'm really fluent and everything because, you know, my parents put me through all the schooling and yeah. things like that. And I sound very much Native. I look very mm-hmm. much Native, but, like, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of my values and the way I behave is definitely, mm-hmm. like, very 
different from regular Japanese people. And mm. when I, the times that I've been to Japan, um, people assume that I'm like just a normal Japanese person because of the mm. way I look and way I sound. <laughs> But apparently, like the way I behave, kind of like. <laughs> Feels off for them in a sense after、uh-huh. act with me, so part of me is kind of like ashamed when I go there and like they assume I'm a regular Japanese pe- person, but like truly I'm not at all, and I don't understand、mm. how they think or how they behave in a sense.、Mm. So I feel like I feel like I put up a front or like I look on the outside very much assimilated, but I'm actually、mm. not, and I feel like that kind of gap really wears down on me, and then or maybe、mm. like it. Looks different. I know it's hard to like be different in like you know in Eastern Asian kind of community.、Mm-hmm. So like I really don't feel comfortable living there for a long、mm-hmm. period ha- of time. So especially since I've grown up in the U.S. for such a long time, I just feel like it's more of where I belong. Right. Yeah.、So、maybe I would visit, but I would never think of living there. <laughs> so when you say that you f- you sometimes feel ashamed with this burden of like. Still not being able to assimilate because like your values and your behavior is different. Like, is it primarily because the Japanese people they judge you for it and they like treat you differently, or, or you just like simply just don't feel comfortable being there? I think part of it is I don't feel comfortable because I don't fit in, but I think. Japanese culture tends to like judge you for being different because you know they want、mm. it's more like a homogenous society.、Mm-hmm. So they look at you like you're you know <laughs> not fitting in or like you're just different or you know you don't belong or something like that. It might not be too、mm-hmm. obvious, but I do feel sometimes you know when I'm talking to my Japanese,、uh-huh. not my Japanese friends, but I do feel like certain gestures. Like for example, I、uh, when I was like when I went to. Back to Japan a couple years ago, I was、mm-hmm. like buying train tickets or something, and you know it's really organized and everything has its own like you know line and everything. The process is you know everybody knows the process, but it was it it was a long time、uh, ever like that I've been to Japan before that, so like I didn't、mm-hmm. know because the whole train system has changed because you know, it, and then I felt really ashamed of like asking the people at the. You know the train station for help、mm-hmm. buying my ticket because it's just like a simple thing to do. There's like you know, great like elementary school kids just buying their own ticket, and I felt like you <laughs>、yeah. know. So I actually like talk to them in English, just pretend I didn't even like, understand <laughs> Japanese because I felt so bad like asking、uh-huh. like as, as an adult in Jap in like normal Japanese like how do I buy a ticket? You know, so yeah,、mm-hmm. I just pretend I didn't like even speak Japanese to like buy、mm-hmm. a ticket. So it's kind of、I、like those like- things. Yeah, I feel like I can kind of hear it in my head. Like, so if you spoke to them in Japanese, you're like, "How does this work? How do I get this ticket?" And then like the the person would be like, "What the heck? Like, you're Japanese,、yeah. you speak it fluently. How do you not know? Are you dumb?" So I I understand that part where it's like this burden of not wanting to be judged in that way, and it's like, and it, it gets to a point where you know when it's almost like a lot of your interactions with. The natives are like you have to explain to your you have to explain yourself. Oh, I'm actually from the the U.S. and like that's why I'm like this, you know.、Uh, so I can totally feel that. I'm I'm actually Korean. So, but the thing is that I don't speak Korean that well. I didn't really go to school my entire life, and so that's tragic. <laughs>、um, so I feel like I have like a double edged sword for me when I go to Korea, where like 
a I look Korean so they assume that I speak Korean but then like I let them down where like when I can't speak Korean but also I feel uncomfortable because obviously like the Koreans are so different than like Korean Americans just in like the way they dress the way they behave like even the girls like I just feel a lot more I feel it's so weird I feel a lot more masculine when I'm in Asia and not that it's like a bad thing but I definitely get that like I just I definitely feel out of place um it would be it would be wonders if I ever do move to Korea and I settle down and like I do feel at home (laughs) I, I just feel like us too like growing up in the states it's just like it's really hard it's not that it's impossible but it's definitely a huge barrier from Mm -hmm. like fully assimilating back into our culture i mean we can do it but (laughs) yeah um japan doesn't like technically um accept like dual citizenship either Mm -hmm. so even though they don't really go after you like they won't Mm. persecute you or anything technically i'm supposed to give my japanese citizenship up when i'm like 20 or 21 Mm -hmm. so technically i'm not supposed to even be a japanese citizen at this point and you know i would have i wouldn't have any like thoughts about like giving up my japanese citizenship i would Mm -hmm. just take my u.s citizenship over my japanese citizenship without like any Mm -hmm. thought Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess part of me just doesn't really think of myself as, like, a citizen or anything at this point. <laughs> never really lived there. Like, yeah. they, the government wants to give me, uh, give, wants me to give up my citizenship, you know, I think. Really? I think, <sighs> you know, kind of, I would never want to, like, live or settle down in Japan in a sense. <laughs> that's so funny because like I've interviewed, like, a lot of other Japanese students at CMU and they're always, like, you know, I, yeah, eventually I would like to settle, like, for, like, as a family, but I feel like you're the first person that it's, like, no, I don't want to settle in Japan, like, it's just not for me, (laughs) so that's really interesting. I mean, what are parts of Japan that you do enjoy? (laughs) I I do enjoy, like, a lot of, like, the food and things like that, Mm -hmm. because, like, my parent, my mom, mom would, you know, cook Japanese food, so, like, Mm -hmm. I'm used to a lot of Asian cuisine, I mainly eat that too. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I do uh, like the entertainment part, the you know mm-hmm. things like that. I definitely do enjoy. But I guess one other thing is like the sense of humor is really different. I really like mm-hmm. comedy, so I really like American stand-up comedy, late night shows, things like that. But I'm also fortunate enough to be fluent enough that I can understand mm-hmm. Japanese comedy, and they're really different. But I really like both of them. But I've never really met someone who can understand both types of comedy because they're so different. So you have to be like both culturally like informed yeah. in both to understand and laugh at both. But I think I really like those things too. Can you explain to me like what Japanese comedy is like and how different it is? I think, you know, when you think of American comedy, it's like a lot of sarcasm, you know? Mm, a lot but, of satire, yeah. Yeah, like or jokes. But I think when you're talking in... I don't know if it's true for other Eastern Asian um, communities. You don't joke mm-hmm. as much, you know, you don't, you're not as sarcastic. Like people will take it like literally when you mm-hmm. like try to be sarcastic or take a, say a joke. So, you know, that's not the way they kind of do Japanese comedy. They more like try to just be funny in the sense that they try to like 
um, exaggerate or like try to like mm-hmm. copy things that are funny, you know, mm-hmm. and like exaggerate certain parts of parts of you know some you know life or something that mm-hmm. might be funny. Me, I think that's more you know of the tone or like the way they make people laugh instead of being sarcastic. Mm. Is it kind of like? I mean, the only like main Japanese uh, or American uh, comedy show is like SNL. Do you think like American SNL is would be completely different from Japanese comedy? Because like to me, SNL seems like very exaggerated as well. But I don't know. I don't know what level Japan takes <laughs> takes exaggeration for comedy. Yeah. I feel like definitely the skits might be. Uh-huh. Um, very similar in SNL, uh-huh. but a lot of the stand-up things where they joke and like be sarcastic about like things might not go well and people wouldn't get the joke. Mm. But definitely like the skits were are more like something that would be close to what Japanese comedy is. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious because like, do you think like Japanese com- comedy, there's like social limitations? Like, are there a lot more limitations on Japanese comedy on what they can joke about compared to American comedy, or is it the complete opposite? Like Japanese comedy, they they go all out and they say whatever they want, even though it's like not politically correct, or <laughs> in some cases. I think there's limitations on you know being politically correct and mm-hmm. making con- controversial like claims to that. But there's a long history of Japanese comedy. You know, if you think about like kabuki, like if you, I don't know if you know, but there's like a really long history of like Japanese like talking comedy kind of storytelling mm-hmm. things like that. So there is a lot of history to that. So there's a lot of kind of a, another realm that's different from like stand up comedy in America because that doesn't have like a really long like history right. or art form. Yeah. But in Japan, that has like a certain like kind of it even has like a whole like lineage and like you have these like oh my god uh, these like <laughs> uh you disip you're, you're like a disciple and things like that and then there's like certain like historical stories that's been like you know told f- for a long time mm-hmm. and you make your own spin on it and things like that so there's definitely like this cultural historical aspect that doesn't mm-hmm. exist but also there's limitations because of that because it's so ingrained with like tradition there's like a bit of push back against making controversial claims or you know mm. things like that do you think that like describes japanese comedy overall like it's a lot more cultural it's a lot more traditional uh which is why they don't try to push too much or or are there like just completely different segments of japanese comedy that are different from each other i think Part of it could be because like the entertainment industry is controlled mm-hmm. by a couple of major uh, companies. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Japanese comedians like have to, or mostly they do come out of these like multiple agencies. Mm-hmm. And because they control it and they train them, like it's kind of like homogeneous in a sense. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's like on purpose or as a product of the industry being controlled by multiple companies. It's kind of like a monopoly or something. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are, do do Japanese people around our age, do they love Japanese comedy and, like, comedians from those big companies? Like, do you, yeah. is that how, oh, really? So it is popular, like, to all, practically well, it's all ages. Because the, the TV companies, too, are associated with them. So then mm. the comedian, 
comedians you see on TV have to be associated with these agencies because <laughs> then otherwise they wouldn't be able to, you know, fill, get the mm-hmm. role, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like a whole kind of a monopoly of a multiple companies, like TV companies and like these mm-hmm. talent agencies and entertainment agencies. So it's kind of, you know, I guess in a sense, they also do censor stuff and like to kind mm-hmm. of get rid of controversial, you know, things or, you know, I guess they kind of control the way, you know, the yeah. way the comedians act in a sense. So That's so interesting. So it's like in Japan, it's primarily the companies that regulate the entertainment and like they regulate their, their capital, their, their actors. So it's not necessarily, so like Japan's a democracy. So obviously like the government doesn't really wouldn't have much say, but it's like these big companies that practically control <laughs> Japanese entertainment. So yeah, it's kind of like in America, there's really mm-hmm. no big entertainment but I guess if you think of it kind of like maybe wrestling in WWE like controlling mm-hmm. all of the wrestlers it's kind of mm-hmm. similar in the sense that you have this big t- television production company and these like talent comedian agencies and like mm-hmm. as a wrestler you would you would most likely you know be associated with the WWE you know you would contract with them it's kind of the same thing like all the major mm-hmm. comedians would contract with these major talent entertainment en- agencies you know mm-hmm. okay so like I mean <laughs> I not that like I would expect you to have like any personal experience with this but I, I I think I'm just like curious where because of the fact that like these big companies control a lot of you know these actors and like how entertainment is portrayed to the public um, do Japanese actors and celebrities kind of similar to K-pop like do they is there like a mental health crisis in the entertainment industry as well? I would assume there is. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hear stories of, you know, actors committing suicide, and mm. I I think that is definitely a thing. But also, you know, I think it's typical of, like, Eastern Asian countries or, like, mm-hmm. Japanese countries to kind of cover up and, like, pretend like there's right. no mental health yeah. crisis. So I don't know how, to what extent they cover it up and how it exists, but I would assume mm-hmm. that does. And I think it does also, you know, have to do with like body image and you know ideal mm. kind of ideal you know masculine feminine traits really do get like portrayed in a certain way that kind For of sure. yeah do you have japanese friends in living in japan mm-hmm. okay so like would you say they're different in their values compared to you and an american person where are they like a lot more more body conscious there or i mean how how are they like because i'm sure that the entertainment industry in asia in general is a huge huge impact on a lot of our young folks our generations like values and how we look at ourselves and i'm sure like the mental health aspect doesn't really help (laughs) in that aspect living in asia so are your friends like that in japan i think my relatives too they do definitely care a lot about you know how mm-hmm. they look and like the clothes they wear um mm-hmm. when i do visit i realize that like the clothes that i wear here um mm-hmm. really stand out if i'm in japan so like mm-hmm. i would go and buy cheap clothes just so i can i, I wouldn't <laughs> look weird because i they would never say to me to my face but i feel like my friends wouldn't want to walk next to me if i like look really, really weird. 
Oh, yeah. And like, even my family members who are Korean and they're from Korea, their first question is always like, oh, you gained weight or like, it's something about my weight. And even though like, it's like, obviously if you say that in America, it's like you totally offended a person, but like in Asia, it's just so expected. Mm -hmm. It's just so common. It's kind of like a way of greeting someone. And I think because like Asian values prioritize things like that, it's, it can definitely, for us, people like us, just like take us aback. But like, but to them, like when we act a certain way, they're like, oh, she's so different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it kind of like makes me kind of glad that I grew up <laughs> um, in the States, but also it's like 50-50, you know, who, like, I, I always wonder what I would have who I could have been if I grew up in Asia, like what, how different my values would be and stuff. So cool. Um, can we talk a little bit more about your journey in CMU and your journey to finding your Japanese community if you have, and like, is there a Japanese community in Pittsburgh? <laughs> I think there is a small one, but not university students because you know we're only here for a couple of years usually mm -hmm. so i don't think we're like too involved in it um mm -hmm. i did like get involved with the japanese student association for a couple of years from like freshman year to freshman year and sophomore year i was a big part of it mm -hmm. uh, not as much now because of like zoom and everything too mm -hmm. but um i think i just entered the organization because I think the Japanese Student Association like reaches out to people like you know your freshman year mm. and, like that, and they convinced me to be fun and everything so I did <laughs> um, but um, not everyone like maybe half of them are Japanese or at least half ja like partially mm -hmm. ethnically Japanese so it's not like too cultural it's more like to have fun you know maybe like like replicate some Japanese you know festivals some events you know mm -hmm. seasonal events things like that but it is definitely like important for like a campus, I feel like to have like, a, you know, at least a little bit of presence as like a for cultural sure. group, you know, because I know yeah. like TSA is big, TSA is big, you know, yeah. all those things also <laughs> exist. So I think it is good to have those things. Um, the teaching assistant part is mainly for me to just get units and make money. So yeah, I've gotten to know some of the Japanese professors. They're really nice. And I feel like, you know, learning Japanese as a non-Japanese person, like I've got, I've been able to, you know, interact a lot with them. And I think, um, I guess part of me is kind of happy and glad that, you know, more people are trying to learn Japanese, even though, you know, mm. they're not ethnically Japanese at all. So, yeah. Do you think that like over your college career at CMU, because there's like, compared to other Asian groups, like Chinese and Taiwanese or like even Korean, um, I feel like from my observation as a CMU student, there's a, a bigger community of like the Chinese students and stuff. Um, but do you think in a way, because the Japanese community at CMU is slightly lower, that make you that made you guys a lot closer together? And like for you, did you did you feel a lot more closer to your Japanese side? Or or did did it like just not really change? <laughs> 
since I grew up in a place where there were a lot of Japanese people, I was used mm-hmm. to, you know, hanging out with some of them. Right. But since I came here and there's not a lot of Japanese people, I haven't been hanging out with Japanese people at all. Because <laughs> there's not many of them, first of all. Uh-huh. And there's really, you know, pe- they might have different interests. And I feel like it's just easier to hang out with, like, people in your same major. Or, like, yeah. Like, yeah. You. Um, so, like, ethnicity doesn't really, is it is like, a low priority at that point. Mm-hmm. So I feel like before I just hanged out with them because, you know, they were the same ethnicity. Maybe that kind mm-hmm. of like created some similarities. But now I feel like that's like a lower priority for me when I try to like hang out with people, when I get to know people. So I guess that's mm-hmm. a difference definitely that, that it's made on me. I think it's different for your case, especially because you were already very attached and like in tandem with your Japanese side. You know, you grew up hanging around Japanese people, you're fluent in it. So it's not like it's not like you needed to find Japanese friends in order to feel closer to home. So I, I understand that part. Like uh, the ethnicity isn't like a huge factor for you to be closer to your Japanese side. But um, like how do you incorporate Japanese um, things into your lifestyle here? Do you just cook Japanese food or um, are there like Japanese cool places in Pittsburgh? (laughs) I would love to check some out. I just don't really know. I know there's like a couple of Japanese restaurants, but I think I just mainly cook Japanese food. I might watch a little bit of like Japanese TV shows or like Mm -hmm. read some Japanese, you know, things here and there. out of you know just curiosity might look at the news a bit or something Mm -hmm. um but that's about it i definitely don't speak as much japanese as i used to at home Mm -hmm. because you know i don't have my parents to talk to in japan or uh, japanese and things like that so i feel like my japanese has gotten definitely worse since i came (laughs) (laughs) wait so your parents still like speak to you in japanese though right yes they're just based in New York. Are they like, would you say that they're a lot more Americanized since they came to the States or? Um, I think my parents are, they both were born in Japan and they're both mm-hmm. ethnically completely Japanese. But my, my mom is definitely like Japanese culturally, but my father's mm-hmm. different because my grandfather uh, was kind of like an ambassador. So my father grew up like overseas or like going to different countries when he grew up. So honestly, I feel like my father's Japanese is worse than mine. (laughs) Like Uh he's like perfectly American in his like values, the way he talks, everything. Interesting. Um, Even his like, uh, his taste, like he, he prefers American food over Japanese food, even though he's like completely ethnically Japanese, which is really Mm -hmm. weird to me. Uh, but my mo- mother is more, uh, she grew up in Japan um, and everything, so she is more uh, closer to that side. But I think it's not the typical Japanese family in that sense that, you know, my father's not like really culturally right. Japanese. Yeah. And they knew when I was born that they would stay here, you know, because they have like, they're both accountants. They had like licenses as accountants in New York State. So they knew they were going to work here for, you know, a very long time and they might Mm -hmm. not even go back. And right now they're considering getting uh, U.S. citizenship too uh, Mm -hmm. for their, you know, retirement and everything. But I think even though they're ethnically Japanese, it's not like the typical Asian American, you know, immigrant parents kind of you know, mm. I don't think I grew up in that kind of household. 
I mean, how, how different do you think like your household was compared to like your Japanese friends' households in New York? Do you think because your dad was a lot more Americanized, that was like a huge impact in the way that you were raised? I think my dad was definitely uh, academically oriented, but I'm mm-hmm. sure he wasn't as strict as a lot of my, you know, the parents of my Japanese mm-hmm. peers. Like, they they were more, they wanted me to be more independent, in a sense. Mm-hmm. They gave me more freedoms, I think, um, overall. And mm-hmm. they, like, they trusted me more, in a sense, that they wanted me to be responsible for my own actions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that was definitely, like, the big thing where they gave me more freedom, right? I mm-hmm. think, yeah. Wow. Like, I'm thinking about how I was raised and it's the opposite for me so like my mom is a lot more Americanized because she was born in Korea both of my parents were born in Korea but she came to the states when she was a kid my dad came when he was like college in college so like he was a lot more traditionally like Korean and so my household and the way that I grew up was like the dad my dad was a lot more strict didn't really give me much independence and freedom to do stuff and I feel like I just depended them on them a lot and I feel like that reflects more of a traditional household but it's funny that I still didn't come out speaking Korean Um, but it's just like a very interesting in how like the household and the parents and the way that they grew up is like leaves such a huge impact on how you turn out Mm -hmm. to me like even though, yes, I'm living by myself here in Pittsburgh for college, um, and I turned out pretty independent because I lived away from home, like, I still, my values are still pretty traditional. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get too much into that, but, like, it's it's very interesting, like, how that turns out. Mm-hmm. So, like, did your parents, did your mom come here when she was a lot older? the states or she came here during college but i think it it is rare for someone for like a japanese person who grew up in japan like to Mm -hmm. you know end up staying in you know in the states you know yeah i know because a lot of them go back right i think part of it is like her personality is a bit more inclined towards like you know american culture in a sense like Mm -hmm. she is definitely a bit eccentric uh according to like japanese standards you know a lot more outspoken yeah Yeah. a lot more outspoken she's a lot more independent she has her own accounting firm so i feel like that would have been much harder in japan for her for sure as a woman so i feel like part of it is her personality that's like a bit more outspoken a lot more independent Mm -hmm. that she felt more comfortable living in america and that's why she ended up staying here So I feel like it's just my parents are kind of more uh, are more like you know their values are more closer to like an American culture than right. uh, an Asian right. one, although they did make me learn like uh, violin and you know. <laughs> me too. Like but, yeah. <laughs> I was a violin major when I came to see you. <laughs> I just love how like a lot of East Asians like we share a lot of common stories. <laughs> um, do you know like how your parents? like what their first experience is like when they first moved to the United States like because I know that back then just it, it was just a completely different time especially for immigrants like how was for example your mom's experience like when she was in college and trying to get into accounting mm-hmm. 
So my mom went to IUP, which is like Indiana University of Pennsylvania, which is literally like a couple miles away, maybe 20 mm-hmm. miles away from here. Um, I heard she, cause she, I think she came as like an MBA student. Mm. So I heard, yeah, she, so she had some working experience before that, before she came over to America, mm-hmm. but she came over because people told her that, you know, if you learn English, you'll get a better career, you know, Mm -hmm. later on and things like that. So she came over um, and I think like she ended up just like enjoying it because she stayed here. She ended up staying here. She ended up getting her license and everything. Um, I don't really know if like she talked to me about like if she faced any like cultural like backlash or, you know, like, you know, discrimination and things like that. But I guess part of why both of my parents are like accountants is because if you get a license, you're almost guaranteed a job. So it might just right. be that, like they kind of had it in their back of their minds that, you know, if you have a license, if you have this, you know, mm-hmm. this degree, um, you know, race really won't become as much of a barrier otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. because like, yeah, yeah. For, for sure, especially in Asian culture, it's like landing that job and that security is like your ticket to mm-hmm. being successful and assimilated into like, for example, American society. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think that kind of fueled and that's what made them, that's what like kind of uh, motivated them to become, yeah. become accountants, you know? I know, given the fact that especially your mom, she owns her own accounting firm, like she would not care what people say about her. I'm sure, like, I'm sure she was a badass and especially like her when she moved to the States and that's how she turned out so successful. <laughs> Do you want to get into accounting too or? Oh, no, I'm, I'm an EC major. <laughs> you're, you're a what? D. I'm an ECE major. Oh, ECE major. <laughs> that's, that's totally like a different direction yeah. <laughs> did they want you to go into accounting or no they oh really no that's a bad idea <laughs> really why well because I think partially like the reason why my parents chose accounting isn't because they liked it it's because huh. of job money security, basically yeah. yeah so you know if they're like if you like something like coding or like technology you should definitely mm-hmm. go do that instead of you know accounting like if you don't they were like if you don't have anything you want to do and if you yeah. just job security then yeah you can become a you know doctor nurse or like an accountant yeah. because if you get a license you're pretty set so mm-hmm. um but if they were you know along the, because they are kind of like culturally american they were like oh if you want to do something go for it you know mm-hmm. so if i said i want to do something related to t- not technology they were like oh then you could do you know computer engineering computer science whatever you want to do you know so mm-hmm. I mean, do Japanese parents in Japan, especially, do they like kind of dictate what their kids major in or like go like what career path they go into? I think since, you know, when you go into college, like you have to choose your major, right? When Mm -hmm. you have to choose your major and then apply to college and then you can't change your major after that. Which is insane. Yeah, which I think is insane. But since that that's the system like your parents mm. do have a lot of say because they're paying for it yeah, right for sure and like especially if you're going to like a very competitive field they're paying for like your you know um schooling costs you know tutoring costs all those things so mm-hmm. it is financially really a burden if you if you want to be a doctor or anything right or like a law- lawyer so then like your parents you have to be you know your parents have to agree with that because you're making this financial investment so i feel like in japan 
and your parents do have a big say in that especially you know if you want to pursue something like a professionally yeah do you think that contributes to because i know that japan is kind of notorious for like working fatigue where a lot of employees they're like unhappy either in their job or they're just unhappy with like the the working environments to japan do you think like because especially from the start where you're 18 or something you're applying for college and this is like your one time like life decision you can't change it and then like i would assume that there's a good percentage of kids that are just so unhappy but they can't change it and then they go into the workforce and then they're even more unhappy so do you think that is that is that is that something realistic that would happen or i think it would happen for certain professions but i think uh unlike in america where your major like your career choice should align with your major right mm-hmm. but in japan like when you apply for like jobs fresh out of college your major ne- doesn't really necessarily have to align with your career that you're oh, really oh okay because they're traditionally like asian companies tend to want to hire for a very long time right like they want right. to work there for a very long time so they're more willing to train your employees when you enter so they're really not looking for you know your major but more mm-hmm. like oh will you fit in and will you stay longer and can we train you to become the employee that we want you to be right so i think more uh i think like the whole uh issue with you know the work time the work long work hours and like people unhappy being you know working at companies is m- more of an issue of like the culture at the companies and yeah. you know, how like i guess how up how your position in your company uh correlates with your age mm-hmm. um not your you know capacity to do anything or you know your ability and so you know a lot of the companies are controlled by old older men right mm-hmm. because of they've worked there for a really long time and i think that kind of doesn't um i guess it's hard for these upper higher ups to kind of you know understand what's going on in the younger generation the younger sure. workers and i think yeah. that kind of gap because the higher positions are all controlled by like older men mm-hmm. and then the younger worker force are very generationally different from them it's mm-hmm. just i think that discrepancy kind of uh, is contributing to like a bad work environment i think yeah i i can't even imagine like how toxic that could be you know where it's like the management people are like a lot more older and they don't mm-hmm. they're I'm not sure. as progressive and yeah I didn't really think about that, but that's so true. <laughs> Especially like Asian companies, the the big ones, it's all like family ties and like literally all old men controlling. So yeah, that that is definitely a big problem. Um, oh wow, it's already been almost an hour. <laughs> Do you have like any last words about, you know, for example, what you like about being Japanese or something that I don't really know about Japanese people or Japanese culture. <laughs> I guess on a one, I guess there's like a lot of, you know, news with 
politics going on mm -hmm. one big thing that interests me in japanese like politics and things like that is like they're kind of arguing over if um when you get married your last name has to be the same so right now legally mm -hmm. you're you have to change your last name when you get married Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, in the United States, it could be you could keep it differently, and they're mm -hmm. debating over that. And I, I think it's really interesting how people who are very much against it, and the politicians who are against it, are saying, you know, if you have different last names, like the family as a unit won't function anymore. Your family ties <gasps> will be like less important, yeah. and things like yeah. that. Which I think is really interesting how they like use that as a talking point even though like there's many countries like in the u.s where you know you can have different last names and then i'm curious like if they really think you know american families are less like bonded together or le they're less mm. important as a unit than like japan i don't know if that's true uh and they're using like these other countries as like a counter example but mm. uh, i think it's really interesting because i think culturally you know the family is supposed to be like the unit and you know you should For be sure. together and everything yeah so i think that's also really interesting yeah I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I think because Japanese people in Japan, it's just like the, the values and the culture and the traditions are so deeply rooted in everything. Like, I could see how that could be a major issue over something like, oh, changing your last name, especially for females, like dictating like what they do with their names. You know, I can see how that's still um, a big issue. I mean, yeah. yeah. And like, the number of people who are getting married is also increasing in Japan. I don't know yeah. if that's, I, I'm pretty sure it's related culturally to like the root of that reason. But I think, you know, with, you know, less, uh, you know, population declining, less people are getting married. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I don't know what Japanese people who live in Japan feel about it, but I think it's like really, it's hard for me to understand culturally like what that would be like, but yeah, I think it's very much different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if you go on the news too, like, not that this is anything similar, but even the US right now from COVID, like, you would expect that there would be a baby boom, but like, actually, like, our birth rates have been like one of the lowest in history, which is interesting. But, okay, that was like a side note, but, <laughs> but like, going back to Japanese people, this phenomenon of like low marriage rates and birth rates, like, I've read articles where there there has to do with so many things. For example, a percentage of Japanese guys, they're just not really as attracted to like real humans, like human like female humans because they have their anime, they have their dolls and like, you know, digital female characters and they're more attracted to th those animations, which is like very like very strange but like I guess that's a thing like for like a percentage not like I'm not saying like all Japanese guys are like that and also another factor is like because Japanese women are also expected to work now and you know work their asses off <laughs> do you think they would want to take care of children and they have the energy to do that like when they can barely take care of themselves like I think that's definitely a major factor too low marriage rates and stuff. I think people, a lot a lot of Japanese people are just, their priorities are shifting, you know, mm -hmm. more for themselves rather than for taking care of children and stuff. 
we'll see how the future goes <laughs> do you think like you would ever date a Japanese guy or you don't really care um I don't really care but I guess you can't expect me to move over to Japan I guess that's <laughs> so. yeah but who knows who knows what, what a year can bring <laughs> maybe this Japanese guy can swoon you over <laughs> or any Japanese person not just a guy I don't know anyways thank you so much Hiroko it was so nice to speak with you and learn more about the culture and your experience your backstory so mm -hmm. thank you so much yeah. for your time